the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we're back. Three lines open. one 888 Three lines open. one 888 We are talking about um, our children's worldview, their challenges with their gender and sexuality as being foisted upon them by our world, which has explored that whole thing since the days of uh, the fall of Genesis, the Sodom and Gomorrah area. We can actually go all the way back to Genesis six relative to it. But you know this 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 spectrum and and presentation form that is variated and uh, complex in our secular world is the world that our kids are being reintroduced to. As I have stated so many times, it's fundamentally we are revisiting. Um, Babylon and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. That's that's the Bible anticipates that towards the end of the age that um, a loss of um, of the singular principle of, of of Christianity, the redeemed man in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, would diminish both um, in the world and in the church. The church will no longer actually look like the redeemed man of Christ. It will simply have on the garbs of a harlot, as Revelation seventeen underscores it, where it is sleeping with uh, every foul creature uh, in the world because it abandons the biblical truth uh, in uh, preference for um, simply catering to human needs. That is harlotry, spiritually speaking. Again, we're working through that whole paradigm in the uh, in the uh, the um, rules of engagement class on Saturdays, where I was teaching from Genesis chapter two, that it's not the woman that leaves the home and goes and gets the man. It's not the woman that goes and gets the man. The woman does not go get the man. The woman does not uh, engage the man. The woman does not marry the man. The man marries the woman. The man takes the woman as the woman is given passively by her parents in approval to that young man with all of his qualifications in order to bring her into covenant union so that they cleave together and produce the fullness of the Imago Dei, uh, the twain becoming one flesh. But the woman doesn't take the man. The Bible clearly lays out that kind of aggressive, assertive approach as being harlotry. It's the harlot that seeks out the man. Y'all get that Proverbs chapter seven, nine and um, 14, 19, a few other chapters as well. Twenty two, twenty three, somewhere around there. Chapter 24. And it's the theme throughout the scripture. She pursues her lovers. Well, biblically, it's the man that is to pursue the woman who is prepared uh, and ready to be embraced by the proper uh, prospect for marriage as she faithfully commits herself to God and prepares herself for marriage. Ladies who are single out there, your job is to prepare, not to pursue. Prepare. I've got three lines open. one 367 one Let's go to line one and talk with Dan in Sonoma. Haven't heard from you for a while, man. How are you doing? No, I'm okay, but uh, thank you. Uh, what I have to say would uh, introduce a slightly variation of the topic to you, but no um, problem. it's sort of... For the context in which Christians live, I was visiting a couple of women in their 30s, yes. and one of them expressed to me that her parents had temper problems, yeah. 
which it tugs at my heart how much you hear that that is very common. Uh, but uh, she said that she was having uh, same-sex attractions. Uh, and then you got the issue of... Uh, of Alternative, the rise of the role of our alternative religions in the United States. Sure. People are not strictly adhering to uh, what you might call evangelical fundamental Christian belief, because there's many alternative religions that exist in the United States. And in that context of trying to explain, okay, your parents were very abusive in the name of Christ, and she has same-sex attraction, and then um, the context in which we're living, they get, you can see that it rapidly becomes complex. Sure. Sure. You want to expand? Because it's easy for me well, to actually go I to... mean, I, what you're saying is totally right. I think we need to be grounded in the way we're trying to answer this, but you've got to be so prepared to give an adequate answer. I mean, you know, I don't think that most people are. I mean, most people uh, that I have met growing up had uh, more of an emotional, visceral, visceral reaction to it than they did having a uh, uh, relevant comments to make about it. I've tried to, this friend of mine, I've tried to give her some tools or say that I would introduce her to some sympathetic friends or somebody to talk to or uh, explore the issue with her about the re- emotional reaction to being abused, which had happened in her life. Sure. And... I mean, it's, it's uh, first the thing that I want to try to do is express affection and love as uh, just saying, well, I'm sorry that you went through that. And then work from there to expressing uh, Christ's compassion toward me and then uh, Christ's compassion reaching out toward her. But it's kind of, <laughs> I mean, uh, it takes time. You don't, you don't want to make it, well, you've got to agree with me today or we can't talk any further. Right, right. Um, well, you know, uh, discipleship takes time, um, and that's a fundamental uh, problem frequently in our Christian churches where we have microwave religion and false conversion methods of accept Jesus into your heart and say these words, and you're good. Um, you know better than that. Um, and so biblical discipleship is a discipline on the part of the teacher trying to teach other people the reason for which they should follow Jesus all the way to heaven through hell, Um by way of baptism and then entrance into um, union with Christ by regeneration. That, that, that process takes time. But I do want to speak to this, and I think you would be able to uh, remark as we uh, prepare uh, to close our conversation, Dad. Um, the vast majority of people who have been exposed to Christianity and have for one reason or another gone in a different direction are fueled Largely, and this is a consensus for which Revelation chapter 11, verse 18 underscores God's wrath against humanity, and it's anger. Anger. So when I hear people saying, ah, I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity because I'm angry at my father, I'm angry at my mother, I'm angry at my parents, I'm angry at the world. Well, the Bible doesn't give you justification for going to hell because you're angry at your parents. It just doesn't do that. It doesn't do that because the people that are sharing the gospel with you are broken like you. Um, the goal is for you to see through their brokenness to the Savior that they need as well, um, and then 
then find the the truth of those promises that were inculcated to you when you're a youngster. But see, what you're talking about is a common thing. And I and I, I would say that there are three or four components to why people are rejecting the gospel from their parents and, and doing weird and bizarre things. One is uh, and, and theologically, this is just the fact. They're not born again. So whatever word they heard growing up, if they heard the basic proposition that Jesus was the son of God, Jesus assumed the human nature, Jesus came into the world, lived a good life, perfect life, sinless life, died on the cross for our sins. Jesus rose again to justify us. He's in heaven now as our Lord. And if you trust him and, 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 and depend upon him, heaven is yours. When he comes again, he will receive you to himself, a fundamental of the gospel. That being rejected by them for whatever reason, and they reject them is still to be um, underscored as invalid. There is no valid reason for you to re- reject Jesus because a disciple uh, did something that offended you. Uh, it's just not a valid reason. And when one is born again, guess what regeneration is able to do? It is able to overcome all of those arguments and offenses and retorts and really help the person to understand that at the core of their rejection of the gospel wasn't their rejection of the parents or their rejection of the way the parents did did it. It was just that they were lost and they had rejected God. And that's why largely people move into a direction of going some other way, not only in terms of the most prominent and central idol in their lives being themselves. And therefore, this whole subject of sexuality, as we're discoursing, Dan, is really about uh, the the doctrine and God of humanism. I, I see the spectrums of sexual expressions, particularly those sexual expressions that are departing from a biblical worldview as simply the God of Babylon, the uh, 90 foot statute of Nebuchadnezzar representing humanism and man being at the center of his own glory and satisfaction. And with that, there you go. Uh, I, I hate what my parents did and therefore I'm going to make myself God. Um, well, that's not valid either. However, it is the easiest way to go because the whole world is doing that with God the Father, abandoning biblical principles rooted in some kind of source of anger and buying into a different God, whether that God is sex, whether that God is gender nonconformity, whether that God is idolatrous religion, whether that God is alcoholism, drugs, addictions, you know the plethora of them. But but to say the other thing, and then I want you to speak, You're making the observation, Dan, that we are dealing presently with a massive increase of pagan religions is another fuel to this very fire because you would assert, you would agree, I'm sure, that pagan religion condones every expression of all that we are dealing with today in our culture. Well, I I could tell as you began, that was exactly it. Thank you. What I would... Add to that, though, is that this other woman that I know that's in the same age group has stated, no, I reject um, traditional Christianity and the revelation of Jesus Christ, but I want to reach out for angels. So she's trying to deal with her pain and deal with her uh, search for identity through uh, looking for some kind of revelation through angels. Right. Gnosticism. 
And that Gnosticism is a fundamental departure from a biblical worldview that would hold to absolute truth. She doesn't really want that. But she's also, you know, that they pick and choose and they don't really realize they're contradicting themselves. So fundamentally, uh, angelology uh, would be largely uh, have its large swath in, in biblical truth. What she would really be looking for are more or less kind of white devils and, you know, white witches are, are your what they would call them in their um, in the culture of uh, Hinduism as you would know, are uh, messengers, um, friends, uh, contactors. There, there's a plethora of names that they use, and we know biblically that these are simply demons masquerading themselves as angels of, of light, uh, drawing these people to themselves and keep keeping them comfortably deceived while they um, perish uh, in their unbelief and rebellion against propositional truth. You know that. Okay, I guess we uh, we sort of took the trying to give a uh, a grounding and uh, stay on topic, but, uh, you know, that sort of sh- should, I think, introduce a lot of thought that uh, other callers or um, might want to consider uh, thinking about this topic. It's rich. So the reason why it's rich, Dan, because the reason why I brought it up at the core with children is I was fundamentally stating that they are dealing with the world out there that by the time they're 17, 18 years old, they just have, you know, a thousand choices at which to um, take on their personal presentation, form and shape, uh, contrary to the exclusivity of a biblical worldview, as you were stating. Uh, And this is going to be the challenge of parents as well. Uh, But unfortunately, a lot of this is prophetic. God tells us these are the kind of things that are going to uh, unravel towards the end of time. And it's your job in my to find a way to engage these people in conversation uh, carefully and and, uh, and and thoughtfully and prayerfully, uh, but also uh, faithfully to let them know, uh, you know, that they're going down a wrong path, if we can. Uh, if they're emotion-centered, and that's where God has to overcome an emotionally-centered person, um, nothing that we can really say will work. God will have to um, do something else in his providence to put them in a position to hear propositional th- truth. Thank you for the call, my dear brother. Don't be long in calling again. I've got to take a break, but Tracy... Thank you and upon you. Thank you, thank you, my brother. Tracy, we'll uh, catch you in a moment. I've got three lines open, one 888 Three six seven five three two nine. What Daniel said has a whole lot of import, ladies and gentlemen. When we talk about pushing the boundaries and ex- expanding beyond simply the transgender issue, which is just one category of expression against the biblical worldview. Three lines open. I'm going to take a break, and I'll take your calls when we come back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back. The time is 622 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's, I've got one line open if you want to call in one 367 one Let's go to line number two and talk with Tracy in Oregon. Tracy, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. How what's are you your, doing, I'm, I'm great. What's your question, comment, or observation? Well, I, um, I was listening to your, your program. I, 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 um, I find it really interesting because I have um, a brother and sister who both have their oldest child um, as homosexuals. Uh-huh. And, um, and both my brother and my sister were, have always been um, a bully to me, you oh. know, their, their attitude and very controlling in their marriages mm-hmm. and domineering and micromanagement and their spouses in return, were very passive and um, and um, very passive. Right. And um, and my 
my sister's daughter, who is a lesbian, she um, she is the uh, more of the the masculine sense of sure of it, um, sure. and and my the opposite or the same thing with my brother's son is a very feminine right. male, right? And which is kind of interesting due to the fact that they both their parents were, you know, that my brother and my sister were very controlling and micromanagement and domineering, and um, and yet their their um, their mother and and their father, you know, brother and sister, their their spouses were very. They wanted to be their friend. Yeah. They didn't care to be their parent. They were. I think they were more afraid of stepping in and and taking the parent part. Uh, but their marriages uh, were very um, shambled, anyways. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of interesting because, it, 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 to me, I see the emotional, um, so the psychological problem. Sure. And um, and my nephew, when he when he came out, he told me he and some of his buddies in school were were about to um, be considering suicide because they were so afraid to come out and share it with their parents. Right. And and. Um, and then the same with um, with when because my my brother was a very um, a playboy and um, so he was really afraid to share it with with his dad right and um, and there's been some quite a few suicides in my family mm-hmm. so I just kind of wonder about that stemming from an emotional problem you know where this whole thing result re, uh, stems from right um, yeah the the emotional element for me. Um, Tracy, is still something that I am working through in terms of how to address it, because I see personally that as we are redefining and re-imaging uh, mankind, and this has really been largely going on on the re-imaging and, and re-defining uh, uh, what are the real qualities of a man and a woman, um, we are definitely more emotionally centered, and this is why we largely are given to uh, psychology as kind of the high priestly um, system of mediation and correction and, and help and rescue and salvation uh, versus a biblically propositional mode of, of, um, <clears throat> of, of dealing with the ill of our society on a social level. You can easily see that. Um, at, at the foundation of it is sin. It's just sin. Uh, if, we're, if, we're, yeah, if we're Christians, brokenness uh, on tons of levels, uh, just massive brokenness. And, um, and, and, and therefore, what we do is we swing from one extreme to the other. We can either swing to the side of being a brute bully that uh, is impassionate or to the other side of being so uh, passionate that we are um, uh, compromising uh, fundamental uh, axioms that would make us healthy. Um, And so that swinging back and forth is also intrinsic in biblical prophecy. We just go from war um, to, to perversion, to sexual perversion. And those are two thin lines and they're still all rooted And psychologists would say this. They're still all rooted in anger. So that's what this is why I said at the core of our fallenness, Revelation uh, 11, 18, is we are angry. And this is what the Bible says. The nations are angry and your wrath is coming. So Psalm 2 says, why doth the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And here's their retort. We will not have God to rule over us. He will not control us. He will not tell us what to do. And so what we find is that within the micro battle of parents and children, uh, parents not doing 
doing a good enough job to help the children uh, have a proper understanding of a biblical worldview or the biblical God, uh, the children themselves not being converted will move out in hostility towards the parents and will almost always run in the opposite direction. So if they were domineering parents, the children will go into a promiscuous mode of passivity and become compliant to um, to a source that is opposite of their parents. But in reality, Tracy, in a lot of ways, they're just like their parents. This is the dual. This is the dual nature of who we are. So like um, the young lady, your niece, who is a more uh, butch like um, uh, lesbian. Right. Right. Um, and that's how we would call it in the in the hood. She would be the more uh, aggressive, assertive, masculine, domineering type. She would dress like a uh, a dude and act like a dude, poise like a dude, and get at women like dudes would. Versus the the feminine side of the lesbian uh, situation, which would remain fairly uh, feminine in her expressions, but would be uh, more open to uh, having relationships with another woman. And I've I've noted this for years. What's the point if the other woman is just as abusive and as domineering and controlling as a typical man uh, that 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 still brings in the kind of heterosexual uh, or, or male female component in conflict where somebody is dominating the other person and on the part of your nephew who is more passive. But I doubt if he really is. If he's been a playboy, he's not passive. He's pretending passivity while he's engaging in a very aggressive culture culture of homosexuality. Because when you know that culture well, it's very aggressive. It's very, it's very um, promiscuous and promiscuous and very. Um, very painful in its relationship orientation. It is not stable uh, largely. It's given to extremes as well because it is rooted in an emotional instability that is fundamentally fueled by um, by rage and by 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 uh, by anger. This is true, and this is where I would start to pray about the whole matter. Uh, as a person looking at it as closely as you are, this is a matter of prayer and, uh, and, 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 and research would hope to maybe reach them if one could to let them know that redemption is still possible, no matter what their particular presentation is. That's, that's something that I've tried to do, but, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is my, my brother is, is Pentecostal. Yeah. And he is, he he has no right to be in the position of elder, right? And that he is very proud in that position. How he he can even they they consider the fact that because he was forgiven, he has a new life, and so he's able to forget his his past marriage as well. Yeah, and the fact that his children are not obedient in the Lord. Right, those and, are extremes that that's not biblical Christianity at all. No, you know no. that, right? You know that. Yeah. Right? Oh, right. yeah. Right. Right. Definitely, and I, your 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 teaching and such has helped me tremendously, and I appreciate you very much. Right, and yeah. I I appreciate you too, Tracy, sharing with me um, a burden that you have from a number of perspectives that we all have similar um, uh, experiences. Legalism and religion is part of that swing that I'm talking about. Uh, the wholesale legalistic systems that can be found almost in every denomination, but it's certainly in our Pentecostal churches where they put on a form of godliness, but they are not grounded in the balance of grace and truth that's able to actually deal more adequately with people from a proper standpoint. They 
they put on laws and, 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 and regulations and principles that are superficial in nature and they do not bring about a real regeneration and therefore a noble struggle against our sinful nature, which is really what we are asking for. Regeneration brings us into a noble struggle against our sinful nature uh, and religion just can't tame that legion in us without the grace of God. And you're probably correct that the idea that your brother thinks he can wash away uh, his past um, is going to come to haunt him in due time. And I pray that he discovers grace uh, before that happens so that it can also be something that the children might find as the only real solution to our behavior problems. Thank you for the call. Let me see here. The next call will be on line number one. Let me take that one quickly. And that is Lee in Hayward. No, Liz in Hayward. Liz, how are you? This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. How can we help you? Thank you. Um, I actually just tuned in not too long ago. So if this question has been answered, I will go back and check the... Um, anyways, uh, let's see. I'm wondering about ministering to high school students who are not yours. And... Um, how to do this in love, but also truth, because suicide rate is so crazy. I mean, my heart is in love. I'm not, I don't think we, I don't think there's anything about our leadership that amplifies anything but love. But that being said, speaking truth into their lives, this is just such a fine line to kind of, it's easy maybe just to love on them and not say this hard truth. Um Oh, yeah. how to be sensitive to the emotional. So I guess I'm just going to, that's a question. I don't know if I made myself clear. If you can no, your, your, your question is very clear. Um, yeah, your, your question is very clear. For me, the question really is the same as how you raise your children and have to tell them hard truths that they won't be able to actually deal with until they are adults and have to reckon with privilege and responsibility and accountability as human beings as well. Um, You know, when our kids are four or five years old and even younger, we have to actually still talk about hell and still talk about sin and still talk about the wrath of God and still talk about the need for them to know God in a saving way. We can't pretend that that's not a reality that they don't have to struggle with. That's, um, it's tough raising children, period. Uh, that conversation has to definitely be taken on by the time they're at preteen age and teenage years, even if they are um, showing signs of, of rebellion and hostility rooted in anger, as I had stated. Um, really, this is a universal anger issue that, that's popping up um, in this um, in this time span that we're living in, but it has been part of the principle of rebellion against truth from the beginning of time. We ought not to be scared of our kids just because they're angry. Uh, anger must not become a God that causes us to bow the knee to um, compromise just because our kids are angry. And and suicide, um, as, as sad as that may be, one of the reasons why I read this article at the beginning, why teenagers are becoming uh, transcurious, is because... 
uh, the author was stating that suicide was a contagion, a cultural contagion that once people start getting on to the fact that you could opt out of life by merely suicide, we do know this is pathological and that it is contagious. And it is the same thing with them opting out of a binary sexual, uh, uh, you know, a factor of life that what they are biologically is what they are in terms of the gender that God made them. And they need to be able to work that through. Well, rebellion says, nope, I'm just not going to do it God's way. I'm not going to do it anybody's way. Um, And we have to talk to them lovingly to bring them back from the precipice of destruction. You have to do that. You can't let them go over and think you're doing them any good. You can't do that. Listen, they will still try to kill themselves even without the Bible, because the goal of the enemy is to steal, kill and destroy. That's his job to bring our humanity to the level of despair and hopelessness that they jump over the cliff, hoping to just simply annihilate themselves into nothing. And so for us, the only legitimate uh, lifeline is the message of the gospel of the grace of God in Christ. The other thing that we have to be uh, aware of, Liz, and that's this, that God is the one that does the saving. He's the one that does the retrieving. He's the He's the one that does the, the protecting, uh, keeping young people from going over the cliff. It's not us. It's not us. We can only be the means through prayer uh, and preparation of the truth, but God has to bring them back from that precipice. So we trust him to do that as we uh, sympathetically and biblically share the truth uh, in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. And I'm going to pray that God gives you that grace since you love young people as well. going to pray for that. So thank you for the call. I'm going to take a break and then I'll come back and address... um, uh, Jashana and Alina got two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines. Let's keep talking. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back. The time is six forty. Two lines open. If you want to call one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If the topic is um, of interest to you, if we've intrigued you, piqued your interest over the last hour and a half, you can give us a call. Let me go to line number three and talk with Jashana in Oakland. Hi, Jashana. What is your question, comment, or observation today? Um, hi, Pastor Jesse. How are you? I'm great. What's going on? Good. Um, was just listening to you today, and I just wanted to call in and comment as a parent of of three children. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a 20-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 9-year-old. The two oldest are girls, and the youngest is a boy. Mm -hmm. And for me, the oldest is in Seattle and away at college. Um, And although we talk to her, and and I think her head is on straight, and um, haven't had really too many issues since her being in college for the past three years. So our our daily focus is the 13- and the 9-year-old in our home. Um, in particular, the 13-year-old, because um, unlike her sister, she's very socially active. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays a lot of sports. She's very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, she's on social media. And so um, the challenge is really trying to combat that so much that's coming at her, whether it's with her friends or on social media or television, radio. It's overwhelming Right. Um, a lot of times as a parent and so one thing first thing that i have to do i have to realize i have to just pray for them um because ultimately all i can do is what god asked me to do but he has to touch their heart um 
when they're hearing the gospel and hearing the truths that we're trying to teach them. Right. Um, so we're, my husband and I were constantly talking to both of them, um, first and foremost, about sexual purity right. in general, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, um, that those type of relationships are between a man and a woman in the in covenant marriage. Right. And Way he set it forth and just letting know this is this is the standard it's not oh this is my boyfriend or oh this is who I'm living with or you know even if you classify yourself as heterosexual that's that's not the standard the standard is you, these relationships are confined to marriage between a man and a woman um, and then we also talked to her about finding her identity in Christ and who you are in Christ and understanding you know, uh, one big thing in our in our house is she um, she she's constantly saying, I'm a believer I'm a believer and, and we're members um, she's always wanting to get baptized and I said well let's wait a little bit um, you know not saying that you're not a believer but let's see how you go through certain tests yeah um, yep. to see where you're at but you know and I tell her you say you're a believer so and you're identifying with Christ. This is this this is these are how we should live and stay and pushing for her to stay in her word. I say you need to read your Bible. It's one thing for me to tell you something or you to go to church and hear something, but you need to be in your word and and um, reading your Bible and we'll talk about it. Um, I also talked to her. Uh, I think a gentleman earlier talked about dissecting vocabulary. Sure. Um, and I think that's really huge. There's a lot of words being thrown about tolerance and um, accepting and, you know, and I talked to her about, you know, what it truly means to be tolerant. You can have a difference of opinion from someone that doesn't make you intolerant of the person. I think Mm -hmm. that's big in our society. If I don't agree with something, then I'm intolerant of you. And that's not the definition of tolerance. So talking to her about that and then just when opportunities come up, they listen to a certain type of music. Um, a lot of it I turn off. I was like, you know, <laughs> you can't listen to this. But then I sometimes explain, this is why. This is not the type of person you want to be with that treats a female like this or, you know, or we see something on TV. This is, this is not this really it, – it looks good. I mean, that's, that's the hard part. They make – the society makes it look good. It looks cute. Yep. It looks cool. And so really explaining to them, it, it looks a certain way, but that's, that's the devil trying to pull you in to an image. This is not cute. This is not, quote, sexy or cool and helping you her understand when, you, when, you know, when your heart is broke or, you know, when you got into this situation or you, you have a disease or all these other things that, you know, the television show doesn't show you in the hour episode. <laughs> that you know that they're watching right what they don't what they don't know largely with all of that data are the consequences and so you you know fortunately and it's just the way it is you're going to have to continue to be a teacher um, a guide uh, instructor speak into address call attention to uh, these different uh, distinctives uh, in her culture uh, and and then help her to see how to reason through whether it's good or bad but certainly let them know consequences is what what Hollywood is designed to do 
is to do a smoke and mirrors, uh, making the good evil and the evil good. And the evil being good, as you had already stated, Jashana, uh, is never really seen having the consequences that it does. Uh, the consequences in reality are horrible. Broken hearts, uh, malfunctioning bodies, sexually transmitted diseases that destroy um, a completely healthy sex life uh, when, when it's taken over by uh, certain forms of gonorrhea and, uh, and syphilis and, and other uh, plaguing things that are dominating the sexual world today. It's kind of scary, to be honest with you, the kind of sexually transmitted, uh, transmitted diseases our young people can get just almost by holding hands, but certainly by kissing people that they don't know who are rubbing their genitals and, and doing things that supposedly um, is, is safe sexual uh, conduct, which we know that it's not. It's having horrific, horrific consequences in terms of that child health. And when children don't understand that, uh, they, they are being blinded by the enemy thinking it's good when it's when it's evil. And all that to be said is that you have your work to be cut out. And I would say this to you as well as many other parents. And you know, Jashana, you listen to me. I'm your pastor. And um, and you've heard me say it. Uh, parents have to be absolutely committed to prayer. Um, I, I think sometimes we think we can just talk them out of it. You have to pray for them persistently and really give them to God. Uh, and then you have to not only be bold enough to talk to them about real world issues, uh, their own thinking about sexuality, where they are in their emotions, where they are in their uh, uh, in their emotional purity, because it's not just sexual purity issues, it's emotional purity. How are you thinking? Are you are you lascivious in your mind? Are you going places in your mind? Because that's the goal of the devil to get it started in their heart and mind before they act out on it. And then the third thing after um, being a paraclete to them, it's just that, you know, as husbands and wives, we have to be models. So it's three things. Pray for them, talk to them, and model for them. Pray, talk, and model. Pray, talk, and model until they can't stand us and then they got to leave or God converts them and they become Christians. I agree. I agree. I'll just make one last comment um, just based on our theme this year of being honorable. Yes. Because um, this comes up a lot. And it came up with my oldest daughter. Um, well, I don't want to be mean. Right. I don't want to be mean. Right. Um, th- that's not right. If they love this person, then I don't see what the issue is. And what I told my oldest daughter when I'm telling my 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 other children is, you can have a, a, a difference of opinion, and you can stand on God's word and still be honorable towards the other person. You can still. You don't have to be mean Absolutely. about it. You don't have to tease or Absolutely. call names or. Mm-hmm or think that you're better than someone else. And a lot of times my heart does go out because in one sense I, I understand the the pushback of being taught because a lot of people have suffered yep. and been, been abused and hurt. So in that angle I do understand the to extent that hurting but you're still you're still dealing with the language barrier is helping correct her on the matter of what what love is and what kindness is and what honor is it is certainly not compromise i got to take a hard break i'll talk to you later i'll be right back and now back to lifeline with jesse gistan and we're back let's go to line number one and talk with alina in castro valley hi alina how are you i'm good what's your thoughts and questions today um, so I used to work in a college setting, and a student came in and gave me her name, 
Mm -hmm. Um, She needed to speak with the dean. I introduced her to the dean, and she told me that I go by male pronouns. Mm -hmm. And so she mentioned that twice, and I said, how about I just call you, you know, by your name, because I wasn't going to call her him. Right. So my question to you is, um, nowadays it seems like you can get in trouble for so many different things. Um, not calling someone by their preferred gender. Um, so how would you handle that? Mm-hmm. Like if, if I run into that again, how, how should I handle that? Yeah, should simple. I still not call? No, you have yeah. to know know your rights. You have to know your rights. Um, <clears throat> different states deal with it slightly differently, but know your rights, um, and um, you can uh, get you can get that from a really good uh, Christian law institute. Um, we have them locally here uh, in the Bay Area. You can just need to know your right rights. You definitely today this particular topic that you're addressing is absolutely critical. Um, where we don't want to confound language just to justify a person's uh, personal predilection. And and there are battles, like I stated uh, earlier to an earlier call, Alina, that's happening at the college level. There are professors in colleges who are standing on the proper grounds of um, just logic and rationale around uh, around uh, language and realize that if we capitulate in language along these lines, we are going to simply be advocating insanity. And so uh, these professors who are standing up are having uh, to face all sorts of hail by students protesting their classes and boycotting them and opposing them out in the public. But these guys are standing for uh, what is right because we are living in a world where it's becoming insane. I would say for you on the job, what you would want to know is both your constitutional rights, your state rights, and then the policy uh, of your job so that you can give an answer that does not set you up to be either, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, punitively uh, uh, damaged by the company in a whimsical way that you didn't know really was not uh, right. Because if you know your laws and they come to you and say, hey, we don't like that, then you can have the reasonable conversation. Can you tell me why you guys would advocate something that actually doesn't correspond with 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 um, with the facts scientifically, uh, but are just accommodating these people? And what kind of rules and, and, and legal uh, legal protocol do you have that would mandate that we as employees do that? I would really want to know. I think that that would be fair to all employees anywhere where this subject becomes a problem of you keeping your job. The other thing is, if this is not happening a lot, and it probably isn't, um, but it will increase down the line. I can tell you, if it, if they win in college, they're going to win on the streets and they're going to win in the public marketplace for sure. And certain jobs, it's already there. If it's not happening a lot, you don't have to worry about it. But I would, I would, I would be proactive. I would be pursuing. Hey, what what's your policy around here? What's your written policy? Not just what y'all saying. What's your written policy about? transgender expression and their and their and their pronouns you know him them them they he it uh i need to know and then i need to find out for myself how constitutional that is so that i'm able to handle the conflict between what my constitutional rights are and what my um obligation is on this job okay. yes ma'am Thank you. Yep. Thank you for the call. Great call. Great show, by the way, today. Had a good time talking about this subject. Glad that it got expanded out. Um, why do I do topics like this? Because we're facing them every day. 
um, the foundation of gospel principles such as, you know, who God is and um, who created the world and how the world is upheld. All of those are big picture principles that underscore our fundamental um, worldview. That would be part of our epistemological framework. Um, But epistemology moves on into anthropology as well. God created us in his image and in his likeness in a binary gender uh, specific way. Male and female created he them in the image of God created he him. And then he gave us our roles and he gave us our mandate. And as believers, we want to operate out of that. What we say to the world who has abandoned it in the state of the fall and perpetuation by their own willful choices is that that's not what God is calling you to, nor I, us, we. He is calling us back through a process of redemption through Jesus Christ. And that really is the only remedy for your salvation. Now, what God says to you, Christian, is you need to armor up armor up. You need to put on the whole armor of God. You need to be uh, shielded in your mind, in your heart, in your loins, in your legs, on your feet. You need to be given to all sorts of prayer because you are now standing against the wiles of the devil and his wiles and methods are designed to dislodge you, make you ineffective in the warfare. He wants to wound you, if not kill you. He wants to take the sword out of your hand. He wants to remove the shield of faith. If he can get your helmet off and hit you upside the head, he could care less about you because now you're walking around with stars uh, in your head and you couldn't know uh, how to discern truth from error. And that's how a lot of Christians are bopped upside the head by the wicked one. And so they are unable to discern truth from error. They're unable to stand on the truth of God's word against the wiles of the devil. They are unable to establish their hearts in the Lord. Like David says, my heart is fixed. It's established trusting in the Lord. Many Christians hearts are vacillating all over the place because they're not rooted and grounded in biblical truth between now and glory, which is where we're headed as children of the living God. The reality is, is God has given you uh, a whole panoply of armor and your job is to put it on. Protect your brain, protect your thinking, protect your head, Grand Central Station, protect your midsection, protect your heart, your affections, your emotions, your volition, protect that, protect your loins, protect your legs and thighs. That's the way you run this gospel race. Protect your feet. That's how you stand in it. With all, put on the shield of faith that you might quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. There you go, soldier. Lord willing, we'll talk next time. Until then, keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.